one step in this long progress. It's been a team effort by us all the way. We're but part of the whole team has worked so hard. The shuttle era will come to an end, but they won't stop inspiring, and they won't stop being a part of the fabric of America. We choose to go to the moon. I'm not going to tell you what episode it is because I think it would surprise you. Now I'll tell you after all. This is our 16th season of recording Talking Space, and this is our first episode. We're recording on February 3rd, 2024. I'm excited to be here. It's been tough getting the gang together, but I do have our founder and old-timer, Gene McCulka. Welcome, Gene. Proud to be here, Mark. Thank you so much. Also have a guest, which goes way back. We've been in touch since 2011, interviewed back in 2011 on the show, and is joining us again today. Got some exciting things to talk about. My first message that I saw a few months ago was, uh, we're going to the moon. And I didn't see it for a few weeks. And when I did, I replied, what? So, Chantel, if you would introduce yourself and tell us a bit about uh, what you've been up to recently, you can go as way back as you like, and I appreciate you sticking with us. Hey, thank you so much for having me on this show today, Mark. And Gene, you know what? This is fantastic. opportunity and a fast, fantastic time to speak with you. Uh, you know, from 2011, I was working on the Pacific Rim costume and really noticed how the Hollywood industry has a, a vast amount of technology that we need to be incorporating into the space industry. Fast forward to where we are today. I'm now working with one of the most world-renowned artists, to send the first sculptures to the moon. I created a company called Forspace in 2017, and it was set up to act as a vehicle to bring in non-traditional space companies. And you know what? This is going to be a fantastic time because what we've done is we've really taken what NASA's worked on for many, many years, and finally the private sector is able to start integrating and working with the space industry, starting to build out new opportunities um, that were never allowed before. And I can go back to kind of when we we first were discussing a lot of the space industry and beauty and design back in 2011. You know, we're so tight with beauty and design here on Earth. It, It surrounds us in nature. And so one of the things NASA's not thinking about is beauty and design on the moon. But what we are, for space is thinking about that because we realize that human, human nature, we, we need to integrate that as we want to build off world. And Elon Musk has 
really opened up that gate. Jeff Bezos with Blue Origin, um, you know, with their capabilities of their their launch capabilities, it allows us to access uh, space in a different way. And we're able to push the boundaries of science and research and and test different things. You know, we've got the space station going for over 20, 20 plus years uh, successfully. And we're finding a lot of new materials. We're finding a lot of new things. And one of the things that I saw was the CLIPS program, which is really the first program that offers a private mission to the moon. And, you know, I, I reached out to Intuitive Machines February 4th of 2021. So coincidentally, we're one day ahead of uh, my three-year anniversary of, of reaching out to them, uh, wondering what can we put on the moon? And working with Intuitive Machines, it was just a fantastic opportunity because they said, you know what, we have several NASA uh, payloads that are going, um, but we have room for one more uh, payload that's a commercial payload. And so we got to work wondering, what could we do? What is the weight budget? You know, what will this look like? Do we have power? Um, You know, and those were some of the discussions that we had in order to think of how to craft uh, the project. And Intuitive Machines said to me, we don't have very much power budget left. So I went back to the drawing board and kind of thought, okay, what can I do without power? You know, most of the experiments that we've done before uh, contain a tiny bit of power and communication from Earth to space and back. So this challenged me, um, but I was able to talk to a few friends and we decided that art would be a perfect example for connecting humanity to the moon. And I was able to find a, a very incredible investor who got the funding secured very fast, very fast. And that allowed me to move quickly on my end. And one of the things we were able to then discuss was, who is this artist that we should talk to? You know, how can we shape this, this project to really show the world why it's important that we're starting to build on that we could do was we talked to uh, Jeff Coons. And Jeff Coons has always had a fascination with the moon. And he just fell in love with the opportunity. Uh, we said we've got 125 cubicles to fill. And we let him decide what the statues would look like within the weight budget that we were required to meet. And so we got to work. We started resourcing materials. We, it was just a wonderful way to look through the guidelines of all of the materials, inks, the different off-gassing components, and work with the artist to make sure that we met our safety requirements. And we were set to launch on the equatorial zone of the moon. After we had kind of planned out our whole project, NASA actually changed our landing site to the South Pole. So that actually changed our full requirements for our temperature range. We, we, before we were going from about minus 60 to you know, plus 50 degrees. Now our temperature range became extreme 
with a minus 230 degrees Celsius to plus 100 degrees Celsius range. So now we had to start looking at different materials that would survive that constraint. And, you know, we, we just started really testing. We, and we were set to launch, oh, I think January, February of, of 2023. Um, you know, so our, our launch date has moved several times since then. And, and now finally we're, we're going to, to launch here um, in 2024. So one of the things that we really learned from this mission was how important it is to work with non-traditional space industry leads, artists, everything. And what are the tools that they need to be empowered to do what they do best? And, you know, we, we've started paving the way for really creating a system that allows us to work rapidly. It allows us to test rapidly and get all of our certifications um, very fast. Uh, it was wonderful working with Intuitive Machines because they were equally working with us um, in rapid development. Uh, if we had any questions, they would be really wonderful resources in, in uh, helping us as well. Uh, we were able to reach out to all of our NASA colleagues. Um, you know, there was a lot with the lunar environment and the lunar plumes that we had to to discuss because we're, our artist was concerned with um, scratches and, you know, things like that. Whereas typically a NASA payload, some of these things we don't worry about. But in this instance, we had to be very careful and look at all of our different protective coatings, you know, so we had to go above and beyond for the aesthetically pleasing uh, payload, as well as meet all of our our safety requirements too. So the pressure was on to be perfect in both worlds. And, and that's, it was really challenging, um, but we're super excited uh, on February 4th, February, I think February 4th of 2023, uh, we did our integration at Houston. And uh, then October 3rd of 2023, we were able to actually do our final integration onto the lunar lander uh, where we've got some wonderful f videos and footo footage from that day. And it really marked the first day of really connecting humanity to the moon. And, you know, now the payload is uh, sitting in Florida uh, and ready to go. They're, they're going to uh, launch uh, about 1 a.m. Uh, February 14th. And so our mission kind of from the whole start of this project was to the moon with love. Uh, we knew that everything that we design here on Earth, we want to make sure the message is very clear that we're thinking long term, we're thinking about sustainability and why this project is important. Why would we place artwork on the moon? We want to be very careful that we're not seen as putting junk on the moon because this, this project is already going to the moon. We knew that they were landing, they're testing very important sensors and mapping capabilities for our Artemis missions, uh, which are going to take the first women and next men onto the moon uh, with Artemis 2 and 3. So what we want to do is, you know, make use of these testing instruments in a unique way. And with the artwork, we also are going to be raising money uh, and donating to Doctors Without Borders. We have uh, donated to AMFAR. Um, and then we'll have other charity events too. So this is a really wonderful way 
to start opening up that door to allow people to start thinking creatively. We'll get them to ask the question, what can I, what could I do uh, to start building on the moon? What could I send there? Um, and this mission, it becomes a historical landing site on the moon. It's not a return mission. Um, so it will be there uh, forever. And when I say forever, uh, you know, we had to test uh, for as long as we can have it survive on, on the lunar environment with the radiation uh, that we are going to, um, you know, be, be subject to. So, so by NASA standards, the payload only has to last about 10 days on Earth and uh, one lunar day. And, and our artist has a different requirement. We have up, upcoming missions. Uh, the Dear Moon Project is set to go on a starship mission around the moon, sending photographers and artists. And so we hope that one day these photographers will take photos of, of our uh, art gallery that's placed on the moon. Chantel, I've got to say that from when I first met you and and here today again, so impressed and I'm so almost caught off guard to think of design and beauty and art in space. Because when I met you in 2011, you talked about that as being a component of what you would have on a, a hundred year starship flight. And I never thought of it. And here we're talking about going to the moon when so much of our off-planet space program is in its sort of in its infancy still. And you're bringing in some beauty and some consideration of culture that I don't think we think about. I think of technology and I think of the nuts and the bolts and of course the people. And here you've gone so far beyond that. Incredible. I'm just so glad that that we're talking about this. Gene, I know you've got some more questions and things you'd like to bring up. Uh, Mark, I certainly do. Um, Chantel, I'm looking at the uh, press kit here, and it shows, uh, I believe, Jeff Koontz holding the the, the uh, sculpture box. Uh, there are about 125 uh, spheres in this thing. How big are the spheres inside the box, first off? Oh, yeah. So our, uh, the spheres are about one inch okay. in diameter. Yep. Okay, and and there's a picture I'm looking at, and you had mentioned the the box being integrated onto the side of the uh, uh, of the lander. How big is the box overall? How heavy is it? It it doesn't look like it was any trouble at all to go ahead and and bolt this to the side of the uh, the IM one uh, lander. Oh, absolutely. So we were given a weight constraint um, of 1.5 kilograms. We ended up going over uh, by about one kilogram because our, of our uh, changing in the landing site location. We had to beef up our, our box um, because the materials of the moons at first were about eight grams per moon. And that we had to change to less than 16 grams uh, per moon, which which really added on to the weight and the requirements of this cube. So you have to think this clear box has to withstand 3 dB of what the SpaceX rocket is going through as it takes off from Earth. So you've got this 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 clear cube that really has to house and protect these uh, 125 
statues. It's never been done before. And the other thing that we had put a constraint on was um, you'll notice there's no titanium uh, box or there's no aluminum. That was that was all a part of the the thought process behind this because um, if we had used titanium, that would have been a pretty easy solution. Aluminum, but our artist wanted to be able to capture a photo of the statues with the earth in the background and as much lunar simulant in, or <laughs> lunar soil in, in that photo, and we were given a huge task to be able to make that happen. Our bolt pattern, we kept it very simple, um, and we used a bespoke uh, method to actually attach it to the lunar lander. And we ran our analysis, and we it it worked, you know. And and so it, it looks like a really simple design, but we were actually facing some really interesting drumming challenges uh, when we did the weight change. Um, and we actually had to design a lot of work within the cube to make it look so effortless. It's, it, it was quite a, quite a challenge to make it that simple. Um, and we were really proud of the outcome because some of the things that we were looking to was the, the cupola on the space station. And, you know, here they had been doing about 20 years worth of research to uh, utilize sapphire and layers and layers of different materials to create the clear uh, glass that they have up there. And then they also have a metal frame. So we didn't have that the luxury of that time or resources. So we had to um, find work with what we could uh, and then also to meet the requirements of the artist. So we had, for instance, looked at injection molding. Um, well, that would have in order to get an injection mold out of the plate, you can't have uh, a perfect 90 degree angle. And our artist required a perfect 90 degree angle. So, so then we had to go back and think, okay, what can we do? You know, so, so it was really challenging, but we made our bolt pattern at the end of the day, fully tested this um, box and it was quite an incredible process. Um, very incredible to, to see it come together and, and pass all the thermal, Thermovac tests that we did, all of our vibration testing that we did. Uh, so that day was very nerve-wracking because if one little thing was machined wrong, um, then we would have missed our deadline. I read, too, that there's an identical box somewhere uh, to this, and it will be on display here on Earth. Where Do you, do you know where that's going to be? Oh, sure. So the, there is an identical box. Each one-inch moon comes with a 15-inch statue. Um, a replica it's it's a com companion piece um, so that we have a full set of each moon so so I should go into the story of the 125 moons for a moment um, so Jeff Coons he allocated each moon to a historical figure and each one tells a different story each one has a different phase of the moon and then each one gets its companion piece. So it has a one-inch statue that remains on the moon, a 15-inch statue that remains on Earth, and then we also have a photo that comes back from, from the moon and gets NFT'd uh, with a collection of, of Jeff Koons' first NFTs. And one of the other special things about this project is we're placing a diamond on the statue that remains on Earth on the location of our landing site. So that will get placed after we land on the moon. 
that is really, really, really interesting. The I was just wondering too if there were any plans to uh, to showcase the, uh, the uh, accompanying sculpture that's going to be staying here on 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 Earth in the event that you know people may want to go ahead and and look at it. If Jeff was had any plans to uh, to display it at all uh, during the mission, uh, just for just for the attention not only for his work but also to get the attention of of the project as well. That's a fantastic um, idea. And I think the team is working on that as we speak. Um, as our launch date becomes real, now we're, we're getting ready for our, our showcasing plan. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that you, you, you touched on, and we kind of talked about this a little bit um, before we started, uh, former NASA Associate Administrator Kathy Leaders, she's with SpaceX now, had said that every company is an aerospace company. Every company is is a space company. They just don't realize it yet. And it sounds like what you're doing at For Space, you're trying to make companies realize that hey, you're a space company, and you just need to understand that you are. And how, how are you how are you trying to change that dy dynamic a little bit and making a lot of companies understand that, hey, you can get on board all of this. There's a new economy that's coming up. It's an exciting portal that you guys can just fly right through. It sounds like your company, Forspace, is trying to enable that to occur, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So we that's actually what we were working on before we um uh, obtained our project for the moon. We were working with companies such as Procter and Gamble and walking them through the the space industry and the different areas of research, the different areas of focus that they can use, and how to pipe them into the space industry. So you'll notice they even did um, Super Bowl advertisement with Olay and astronaut Nicole Stott uh, was there. They've done uh, Tide in Space. Uh, they've done some colloidal molecule experiments. So that's a really good example. Um, and then what they did too is they developed a program that put money towards um, uh, girls in STEM. And so that they can also start building a technically capable future too. So we're really, we really want brands and companies and enterprise to get involved in the space industry because they have research budgets and, you know, their, their R and D budgets are huge. And if we can show them that the, there's a lot of solutions in NASA and the space industry that can offer them, um, you know, a new way to innovate. Th that's exactly what we for space is working on. Um, and we, we see now that there's, you know, the, the launch capabilities are, um, increasing, we're able to, to just do even more research and more experiments and market more as well. We've also got the Super Bowl coming up and we're kind of excited to see, will any of these advertisements be using space in their ads? I think, I think it's a really exciting time. Um, also, I noticed Oreo is doing a, a wonderful program with space, uh, sorry, with space perspective. Um, and, and yeah, so you're going to start seeing 
seen a lot of wonderful um, opportunities, but Forspace is set up to really walk a bunch of the uh, companies. And if, if you can sing or dance or, you know, you have a, a, a any kind of a technology, we can make sure that it integrates in the space industry and vice versa. What can NASA bring to their companies as well? Uh, what are some of the materials that they're using that could help in the pipeline? What are some of the, the production uh, methods that NASA uses to cut down on consumption and stuff with with, uh, with these brands as well? Because it sounds to me that NASA is trying to foster the idea of companies getting more and more involved in, in, in spaceflight. And it just, they're always looking for catalysts, if you will. And it sounds like Forspace is just sort of tailor-made for that kind of environment uh, and, and trying to get companies to understand. Have, have What other, this may be a little bit outside and, and I don't want to, to lead you a little bit or you may not be able to tell me, but um, what other firms are, are, are kind of interested and in, what other areas are kind of interested in getting involved in, in, in spaceflight? And you're, you know, have, have you seen a trend, you know, other than, the usual pharma companies and so on uh, that are trying to get involved in space for, for research purposes. Oh, absolutely. So we're working with a major motion picture that I can't announce uh, at this time, um, but we're getting ready to really launch a program that will allow access into classrooms and and as well connect to the moon and beyond uh, with real research and you know we want to target NASA's needs. We want to make sure that every project that we're doing in space, um, you know, is not just a pure advertising. That there is research components around it because there is so much research that needs to be done. So we've been working actually for a very long time uh, with this animation uh, major motion picture company to make sure that we have the narrative. We have the public outreach. We have a wonderful story so that it's organic It's um, and it brings in sponsors that will be able to bring in uh, their resources into classrooms to allow uh, kids and stuff to get excited about space too. So that's, that's kind of one of the, the other projects that we're working on right now, um, a very big one. One other question that just, just came into my head, and it was a question that... Uh, unfortunately kind of permeated through um, some of the press conferences about the IM-1 mission and also about the astrobotic mission that unfortunately uh, uh, met a uh, not a, such a grand fate there. Um, the uh, A lot of the uh, indigenous people here in the United States, they have sort of reservations about sending, you know, things to the lunar surface saying that it's uh, that it's desecrating a, a, a sacred ground and they believe that the moon is is sacred ground i know nasa's been asked this question as far as stuff that maybe shouldn't go to the moon or should go to the moon and so on um first off how do you respond to such a claim that you know sending you know I, I, you know something like a sculpture or something like that to the moon is sort of an act of desecration. That's one. And, and two, uh, do you think that there maybe is stuff that maybe shouldn't go to the moon and how do you differentiate the difference between the two? 
Mm-hmm. This is a very, very important question, and the ethics around it are also very important. Um, so with for space, our whole mission statement is sparking curiosity, expanding imagination, and growing love for space. So within those parameters, everything we design and think about, uh, we want to make sure that we are are doing everything with love. And you know, going into a, a project like Celestis that that sent uh, human re- remains to space, um, I think that we still have to define a lot of these uh, future projects. So right now, as it stands for a private mission, it's our responsibility to design all of our projects ethically and sustainably. So we know that whatever we're placing there, it's not coming back or whatever we put into space, you know, what are the effects that, and I think that you're right, we have to start thinking about this now. Um, I know for our mission, we are protected under the Artemis Accords, and, you know, we become a historical landing site. And and so it's up to intuitive machines right now, and our, we have to meet all of our safety requirements. And, and as we discover more and build out more, these are the conversations we need to have, and these are the types of um, areas that we need to discuss. And you know, one of the things I, I also sit on the board of the National Space Society, um, and there we bring together space settlement summits to kind of start discussing who's going to fund these missions, what will it look like, and uh, and then all of, of the laws and stuff around it. They need to be right now. It's quite a gray area. And um, so we just know that our company uh, goes by the ethos of just really uh, being respectful to everybody. Um, and, and so when we place artwork on the moon, we know that while this, this mission is already going and the best we can do is to raise money for other charities through our tiny project that will be landing on on the moon. So I I don't know if that answered your question, but I think that it it brings up a lot of uh, curiosity. And I think the more conversation, the more awareness that we have, that's that's what we need. Indeed, that's what the impression I got from NASA too. They said right now it's sort of an open question. And uh, Mm -hmm. when I, when, when that question came up in the NASA press conference about, um, this particular mission and, and the description of what's on board, that seemed to be the the uh, uh, the going idea that a conversation needs to be opened up. And I believe also that the the astrobotic people felt the same way that a conversation needs to be initiated. And you know maybe we need to to kind of find a happy medium between the two. But something you had said is is be respectful and and so on and i think that's really the key to the whole thing um we're trying to we're we're trying to we're not trying to be disrespectful when we send things there we're trying to to uh to kind of open up a new new area here and i think um mr Kuntz's uh uh, sculpture is is a step in that right direction. Real, real fast. If perchance that you know, we haven't had a lot of luck getting to the lunar surface lately, everybody thinks. I've always heard people say that, oh, you know, the the moon is is your daddy's space program and all that. Well, we're finding out it's it's not that easy. Um, in in the event that you know 
a um an astrobotic like failure and you know we we want this to succeed but in the event you have an astrobotic like failure um is there any plans or does the sculptor have any plans to refly this particular payload and uh or is there going to be a, a a shot for mr Kuntz to try it again um absolutely so in the space industry, another big question mark is insurance. What is the insurance policy? So our insurance is that we will be flown on a second, third mission, whatever it takes to make it a successful mission. So that's what we're guaranteed is a successful mission. So um, the first one, if it misses, uh, then our motto will be shoot for the moon. If you miss, you land amongst the stars, you know, and then we'll we'll try and refly it again. Yeah. How do you go ahead and temper expectations? Because again, in spaceflight, nothing's certain. I think we were really lucky working with Jeff Koons as well because um, he's used to big productions and he's used to delays. He's used to a bunch of different um, challenges in in because he's always been using advanced technology in his artwork and combining unique ways to create his sculptures so i think that he was very patient and kind as our as our lunar lander kept facing delays and stuff as well and so everybody's really working together um to get through all of the challenges uh that we faced you know and one of the first challenges we were um notified of was going from the equatorial zone to the south pole um, uh, which caused major delays and a lot of extra work. So I think just having the right people that understood everything, um, which that was integral, integral, you know, you went, and I think that's a, a big important part of shaping the space industry and setting the expectations. I think that um, we have to understand that space, everybody kind of in the space industry knows that there's always delays, but when you go into the entertainment industry, they have rapid turnaround times, tight deadlines, and you know you, they have to meet it or else. And so when when you've got your when you're bridging those gaps, um, again, I think it's really important for a company such as Forspace to work between the lines and be able to uh, communicate both needs to each other. So to to keep the workflow and the the um, the morale everything still really good. So Chantel, uh, you had talked a little bit about how you got started in all of this um, when we were offline. Could you, I, I, and I thought it was such an intriguing story on, on, on what your, how you got involved in all of this and, and what, what your, what the whole impetus was. Um, could, could you go into that just a little bit more um, just, just to get that on record? Because I thought, you know, the, the the relationship you 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 kind of struck up with um, uh, another uh, uh, somebody that that really really is is you know really deep in in Mars exploration and how that path led you here. Absolutely. So you know, I I grew up in Saskatchewan, Canada, um, and I always wanted to go to the moon and. One of the things that I was able to do was uh, I won a scholarship through Cameco, world's largest mining company uh, and or uranium mining company. And and while I was at U of S, uh, Dr. Chris McKay was giving a lecture, and th 
when I, you know, did my whole geology, it was something that I realized was too much of an industry uh, that I wasn't ready for. It wasn't what I had expected at that time. And then I moved over to fashion design. While I was in fashion design, there was a futuristic design competition. And I decided to do this dress. And the dress was Mars as it terraforms into an Earth-like planet. And I reached out to Dr. McKay and asked him if he had any type of Mars uh, materials from their analog studies that I could use and incorporate into this dress. And he said, of course, and he mailed me the packet of rocks. And, um, and then he said there was an internship out at NASA that I should apply for. And I did. And that kind of sparked this new... Um, love for space again and and how I can get involved and really combine both industries and both strengths. And Chris McKay said to me, Chantel, you need to develop your company that because of your understanding in the fashion and entertainment industry, as well as my technical background. So I can bridge those two together. And as NASA's red tape kind of lifts and the private industry takes off, uh, these op opportunities will arise. And so that's how that started. And in 2017, I formed up Forspace. After this mission is over, what's next for Forspace? You're, you're still going to continue trying to get other companies involved. Is there a follow-up mission that maybe on the next Intuitive Machines flight or even a, a future astrobotic mission? Absolutely. We are following up with mission number two. Uh, we don't want to speak about it quite yet. We will announce it shortly after our launch. And we're excited to continue to build uh, from, this first, from this first mission. One of the other things I really wanted, wanted to say thank you to for is a, um, a little, little thing I'm looking at from uh, the... Uh, uh, the NASA brochure about for space and yourself. Um, it was the girls in STEM 2019 space to be me. There's a picture of you with, it looks like a whole bunch of Estes alphas and a whole bunch of young ladies behind you just waiting for, for the, uh, for the launch to, to, to happen. And um, as somebody that just inspired a, a, a niece that, uh, through the same thing through model rocketry she's going off to be an engineer now in in college so i just wanted to go ahead and say thank you for for your your work in trying to inspire the next generation and can you talk a little bit about that particular project sure so thank you so much for bringing that up because um as we land on the moon for space will become the first female owned company to land on the moon. And one of the things I loved was when I was with Procter & Gamble right before COVID, we had um, established this wonderful, uh, it was called Space to Be Me. And we reached out to girls in, um, over 200 girls in underserved schools and brought them in for a really fun day of building rockets. We had a DJ from Black Eyed Peas. We had, uh, we brought in some speakers from Ad Astra School, some, so they could relate. And, and we brought in VR and lots of things for them to see. And, and 
I think astronaut Yvonne Cagle. She spoke to them through video and just inspired them. And we got so many wonderful messages after uh, that day. And it was so exciting. We, we launched 50 rockets at a time. And each kid got that we, we launched all of their rockets and they got to take it home with them and, you know, set it on their desk as inspiration. And it's really important to me to really expand the imagination of kids. Um, and I can I hope that with this moon mission, uh, we can also really spark the future generations. Um, it's It's so wonderful to see how innovative kids are and how curious they are. And if we can help out young girls and, and get them excited about space and what they can offer to the space industry, that's a win for me. I'm smiling from ear to ear as you're, as you were saying that. I wish this was, this was video so you can see that because, again, I, I want to say a thousand thank yous for, for trying to get, you know, specifically women more involved in, in all of this. So, again, my, you know, my, my kudos over to you. I really do appreciate all, all your work. Same here for, for smiling ear to ear. I'm looking at that same picture and I'm reminded of uh, uh, STS-133, I think it was. Um, they had a payload that was going to station that was, uh, I believe it was a Lego kit. And so there was a tent set up out on the causeway and they took groups of... Uh, school children out there and they built Lego rockets. And I remember vividly seeing Leland Melvin crawling around on the floor with some kids that were building their, their rockets. And that made such an impression that how enjoyable it is for people in industry to kind of take their coats off and, and get down and be a kid again and do something that's going to be so memorable to the youth. And, uh, wow, that the space to be me, the girls in STEM 2019, incredible. And to know that you're focused on those things, Chantel is you get five stars, <laughs> six from me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Chantel, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and, give you the the final few minutes say anything you want to say go ahead well thank you guys so much for having me on the show today it was so much fun talking to you and kind of i got to enjoy the whole conversation the work that that uh we've been doing and a, a really fun look at what the future brings and i'd love to invite you guys to our rocket launch uh we're getting ready to celebrate it february 13th and expecting to launch uh, at around 1 a.m. on February 14th. So I look forward to seeing you guys there. Chantel, and, and, and if people want to find out more about Forspace and to get involved with you and reach out to you and saying, hey, we, we want to do something in space, but we're not too sure how to go about doing it. How do they contact you and how do they reach out to you? Okay, I have to get my website up and running. And uh, this is this is the one thing I have to do. I've been in stealth mode for quite some time, but it will be up and, and ready to go launched uh, for for our, our launch date. So forspace.co is uh, where you will find me. And I also have a sponsor. Um, 
at media.com that is going to be kind of uh, posting. Uh, I'll be the, their number one profile on media.com um, where you'll be able to contact me through that as well and kind of see a few of the different projects that I've done and our, a timeline and as we launch into uh, to the moon. So, Again, Chantel, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, incredible work. I'm looking forward to I Am One. I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing that sculpture on the lunar surface. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to more things from you and more things from Forspace. And if you ever want to come back, uh, the door is always open. I'd, I'd love to have you back to talk more about future projects. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too, Chantel. Thank you so much. And Mark, do you want to go ahead and wrap it up? Yeah, I'll, I'll make mention that uh, we are still struggling with the website of our own. But with the podcast, as it goes out uh, through our podcast host, we will have links that we will have in the notes on that site, and you'll be able to see them. We'll update them as we get changes and additions and encourage you to uh, keep an eye on it. Thank you very much, everybody.